Play the fight song. What's up, everybody, and welcome back into the Play the Fight Song podcast. It is one of our final episodes of the season. We are actually here. The college football national title is set. Michigan-Washington, two great games in the semifinal that we will recap today. Along with, we're going to take you through the transfer portal, as we always do and have to do. And then, of course, we're going to preview the college football national championship between the two teams I just mentioned. But let's talk to the boys first. They are all here. Had to rearrange the schedule a little bit because Jake tried to ditch us on the most important episode of the year. Um, so we'll go to him first, Jake, because I know you're in a hurry. Still on the Colts, but how you doing today? I'm good. I didn't didn't try to ditch anybody. I'm just they ready did. to chop some, <laughs> talk some shop and ready to talk football, ready to talk this national championship. So big one. All right. Reese is here as well. He just touched down back way up north. Reese, how you doing? How was the airport in the early flight? I uh, wasn't bad. I'm a little sleepy still today. I took a power nap before this uh, just because I knew the boys needed my full attention locked in. I can't be dozing off here. So give me a little power nap so I'm ready for you boys. I'm ready for you listeners. We're ready to talk some football again. Team guy. And then we got to go back to Jake and wrap in JP here. Their two teams settled their seasons, Iowa, Iowa State, both on not great notes. JP, obviously you're coming off of a tough, tough watch. Um, what did you kind of take away from those games and how are you feeling? Are you just ready for the national title and, and that's over with? I, I took that whole game with a grain of salt. I just wanted to see kind of how everything stacked up and how they attacked it. Turns out they attacked it completely wrong. Uh, Emilia is going to be a stud, I, but I do think that he was held mostly in check when he was kept um, in situations where they forced him to throw the football. He made some plays. His numbers weren't gaudy, but he can move. And when you can move and if defense is on the field for that amount of time, it gets ugly, and he took advantage of it. Um, offensively, I mean, I, I – tweeted out some things I thought that needed to come up in the offseason. I think the OC hire needs to be done quick. I think there needs to be a completely open quarterback competition. We need to assess the uh, strength and conditioning program and then the offensive line coach situation too. So there are plenty of things to get to. So, um, But I, it it got past that game and I was pissed off. I was mad. I was kind of going through my, you know, my routine. And then I'm just kind of got on the high as the playoff games got closer and closer. Yeah, those playoff games will take away the football blues. Jake, what about on your end? As far as Iowa State's concerned, I mean, it's it's kind of whatever. I I don't want to be the guy when we've been advocating that bowl games matter all year, but, I mean, it's just, it kind of is what it is. There was a team that in Memphis that was uh, ready to go and kind of wanted to prove something going into next year is probably one of the top G5 programs in the country. And Iowa State, I think, learned a pretty decent lesson that there's some overhaul changes at the offensive line that I think needs to be mm-hmm. improved or schematically we've got to adjust. And I think either or will, will get accomplished. I really do. Uh, but I have a question for JP. How quick can an offensive coordinator hire happen if it hasn't happened already when you've already known that your coordinator is going to be gone for like the last two months? Well, I thought originally when the they decided they, Originally, I thought that we were going to go quick, but then as like candidates started to come down the ladder a little bit and filter into the public eye, it was Chris who was at Texas, still at Texas. They just lost what two days ago now, um, so that could be at any moment thing. The Philbin, Phil, uh, I don't know. There's, the candidates, I think, for the most part, were still in use or being a part of their programs, and so I think that took a little bit of time. But Ferentz then came out and said two weeks before the bowl game that 
excuse me, he wasn't going to do it before the new year anyway. So um, that just makes me think it's not going to be dramatic. It's going to be the same offense with a different guy attached to it. Same Kirk Ferentz offense, same way going about it. And I guess we'll, we'll go into 2024 with the new schedule and the new situation, probably assuming six, seven wins at absolute maximum is my he, guess. Kirk, Kirk. I, the one thing I love about him is, is he's on old man time. Like he's like, don't rush me. Don't, mm-hmm. I got to take my, I have my afternoon nap. Do not rush me. We'll get this hired. It's ridiculous. Uh, the the transfer portal windows closing in like two weeks. I don't think Iowa hasn't picked up a single dude, have they? It's closed. They have like three scholarships available, so they're not really pushing to do it. Like they they and with like, um, with Higgins coming back and Jamari coming back and all these names starting to filter in, like scholarships are getting thinner and thinner. So I think the last thing he wants to do is jump into the portal and talk. And what's a guy? We picked up guys in the spring window last year. Well, they weren't in the program long enough to you know help us out or anything. Like, well, why did you even fucking take them? We never even had a shot to let the kid work. Dejon Parker came in as a tackle. Would have loved to use him in the offensive line. Apparently, he just didn't get it. Shocker. Shocker. The new guy didn't get a shot. <laughs> on the positive side for JP, I thought you saw some nice things from Marco Lanes on the ground. I think he could use a new right arm. Um, but you saw some nice things there, but they, they definitely need some help in that position. And then you I, can check out. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you. I, I'm not. I'm not taking anything from that performance at him. The kid can move. He's literally under attack. Tennessee had their ears pinned back. He was running for his life. If the ball didn't come out pretty. So what? Like he was literally running for his life. They were they like, just throw him you know out. Let's wolves, give him too. a chance to, you know, let's what about like 14, nothing. Uh, give him a drive in the first half, early second half. Like this game's still a game. No, we'll throw him in down 28, nothing with a defense who literally just playing for fun with their ears pinned back on an offensive line. You can't block anybody anyway. And they'll bring five and they'll bring four and get pressure with three. And the kid just runs around in a circle. Ball didn't come out pretty, but like, fuck, I wouldn't perform well in that situation. Like nobody's going to go out there and just light it up all of a sudden. Good luck, buddy. That's Here's an SEC defense down on 28, nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's called getting that's thrown fun. to the wolves. Those um, weren't even wolves. Those were fucking orcas. They were getting eaten alive. That guy was treading water in the Arctic Ocean. It's Come on. Fair points. It's fair points. But you can check out Jake's full per, uh, recap of the season and the bowl game out on our YouTube right now. So give that a glance. Hit the subscribe button while you're there. But let's move into the transfer portal. We always lead off with this. Big names, landing big places. Let's talk about a few. First, a guy that was on my board and we had touched on many times in our transfer portal discussions, DJU from Oregon State, lands at another state school, and this one is Florida State. He'll join Mark, Mike Norvell in hopes of another perfect season. I don't know about the scheme fit there. He'll have to use his legs more to fit in like Jordan Travis, but we'll see how that fits. And then you have KJ Jefferson. We are a KJ Jefferson podcast. He was put out on our early board of the season on our TikTok for best quarterbacks in the SEC. He lands at UCF, and Jake plans to see him in person next year. Jake, how do you feel about KJ Landon for the Knights? I don't know how. I don't know how I love the fit. I mean, I'm sure Malzahn's a pretty smart head as far as offense goes in college football, but I mean, he kind of regressed this year. I don't think the talent around him really helped in the injuries and all of that at Arkansas, but. I think the run game for UCF, I think Harvey's coming back for them. I think that will help him out a lot. Uh, I think I we might have overestimated his talent level going into this year. I, I really do. He's probably uh, he's probably in the top six in the Big 12 right now, but I don't think he's a world beater 
by any means. He probably puts them at about seven, maybe eight wins for UCF. Um, but all in all, it's it's a I think it's an upgrade from Rise Pumley. That's my opinion. Gotcha. All right, moving down the list, Cam Ward, a, the highly touted Washington State transfer, landed th- between the decision of the NFL and the University of Miami. He chooses the NFL, probably a good choice for him, uh, considering what's going on down at Miami, but Cam Ward will play in the NFL next year. Julian Fleming finally commits to Penn State. I just saw it this earlier today. It took him long enough. He took his sweet time with that and landed upon the in conference Nittany Lions and then Will Howard our late addition to the list here trending from USC now a lot of talks about him going to Ohio State they obviously need a quarterback they had zero offense on the field in their bowl game JP how would you feel about Will Howard going in conference to Ohio State I'm sorry I not in conference but to Ohio State I kind of think it's just what does that tell you about Ohio State's quarterback room right like Keyholtz came in in a tough spot to play. Uh, didn't look great, but again, what do you expect a kid to be a world beater? No. Um, the, I don't know. It just seems like it's not. It's a we need to fix the problem now and just throw some duct tape over this problem, and then hopefully the spring window brings them something better, or the once they get their freshman in from this class, that'll be a spark plug because this literally feels like somebody grabbed duct tape, threw it over a hole in a pipe and just said, we got to keep running somehow. Right. So he's not going to go to Ohio state and be a CJ Stroud. He's not going to go there and be a JT Barrett. Um, he's going to have to be a gap guy. Like he's going to have to be your bridge from one into another quarterback to quarterback. But I don't think I, what he's really not going to be he's not... USC to Ohio state. Like what, what changed? Like USC didn't, want him as much anymore or he likes ohio state more like what what's the give and take there you said that he's not going to be jt barrett he's not going to be justin fields i'm not so sure if he's going to be kyle mccord that's what i'm saying is like but i'm saying like i i think people will look at him be like oh that's a good fix but i think this fan base for the most part and they're picky on their quarterbacks now is not going to be super like oh oh my god we got will howard thank goodness we were in trouble like what? Why can't Devin Brown be the quarterback next year? Like again, weird spot for him. Got thrown into a bowl game against a good team. Now that I took that for everything it was worth, he just got pummeled. Like he was out to dry in some spots and just got hit a ton. Um, but I mean, I don't think he's the answer. We're just gonna have to see how they handle that schedule with a quarterback problem. Seeing what they say, I would highly doubt Ohio State fans would be not okay with this with how much they hated McCord but you saw how much even their offense fell off without his presence granted they didn't have a couple of weapons on the outside but still I mean it was still a massive dropout Jake you had something else no I just I really enjoy when greedy college football fan bases get bit in the ass and I really do think this is going to bite them in the ass so Oklahoma going to kind of enjoy the downfall of this a little bit and I've watched Will Howard for six years now and yeah, this is this would be great if he does go to nothing is he's Will gonna Howard, have to I, throw guys open like Ohio State scheme. Ryan Day can scheme guys open, right? But he's he a run game, throw, he's got he's throw a run guys game open quarterback. Too. Like, yeah, Ohio 100%. State can't figure out how to run the football next year either. He's he's worthless for you. I've seen it. He's worthless mm-hmm. if you they can't get a run game to help him out. And we're talking about a fan base that has questioned whether or not Ryan Day is the right guy for that job after Multiple winning times. 11 games. I mean, granted, I, I know this started on third base sayings are out there, but Reese, you got something? 
I'll just get well when we when you get done with uh, Will Howard, I have uh, questions about Julian Fleming. Yes, let's let's go to Fleming, another Ohio State transfer. I just think, I mean, does is that what makes sense to you? I mean, you're going from Kyle McCord to Drew Aller. Like, is that really? Do you think that that's the guy you want to have throw, have thrown the ball to you? I don't like it. Like, that's that that crazy of a jump for him to do. Like, I thought he's going to go to. I don't know, like a like a Oregon or somewhere where he's going to have a, a solid quarterback to throw him the ball. I don't know if Drew Aller and like that offense is really a better fit for him, where he's going to get more attention there. I don't know. I think I'm that still bullish on Aller. What do you guys think about that? I, I'm still bullish on Aller. I think he's got a higher ceiling than Kyle McCord. I think Kyle McCord had a low low floor, um, but his ceiling wasn't very high. I think uh, I'm still a little bullish on him. I think there is potential with him. I thought the Penn State receivers in general were very underwhelming this year. Um, and that's something James Franklin, I think, needs to address. And that's exactly what he's doing with Julian Fleming. I think they need better they be, they need better talent at the receiver position. They have the running um, backs. I would just say he's from Pennsylvania, so that probably had some pull to it. Uh, and then uh, yeah. I don't know if you saw Dante Cephas jumped in the portal this afternoon today, too. No, so like obviously there's something going on over there where they either the receivers felt like they weren't being utilized or weren't getting the football enough, or they're just kind of like trying to reset the board over there. Cause I mean, I looked some... all right in the bowl game against Ole Miss, but he also just had that duck that we all saw the game now on Twitter. Yeah. Because of that, he got that crushed. Stuff, like, Guys, he, he just... got crushed on that play. Did nobody see that? He, he got, got crushed yeah, up. Yeah. That's the only reason it ducked and floated in the air. You think he meant to? Like <laughs> the ladies, the lady's obviously not watching the game. If she's like, "What the hell was that, the lady?" He about got I mean, his she didn't face say taken hell. off. Yeah, she no, definitely did. But say like, hell. he got crushed. That's why the ball floated in the air like it did. He didn't just throw it to the fucking ceiling. Yeah, I'll tell you what. From that game, you also have to mention quickly, just recapping that one, Ole Miss was the the bigger takeaway from that. I wouldn't take too much away from Penn State on that, but just the Ole Miss being looking like that without the additions mm-hmm. that they've already made and we've already talked about, watch out. So that's a good one. Okay, let's move on to names that jumped into the portal. Obviously, we are in a little bit of a dead time with the portal right now as it closed January 2nd. Um, it, it opens like next week. There's some weird weekly thing that they've added in. They keep adding and changing rules in this thing. So we're just playing along. Um, Diego Pava, P- uh, Pavia. Do you guys say Pavia or Pava? I think I'm going to go Pavia. 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 UNLV quarterback, highly touted, made up 90% of their offensive production. That's not the actual stat, but that's what it felt like. He is now in the portal. I assume he will land at a maybe lower side power five school, if not one of the best group of five schools because he was exquisite this year. Um, Caden Salter, Liberty quarterback. That is a huge name. He led the Liberty Flames to a 11 and 0 season or 12 and 0 season. I want to say before they got 13. obliterated by Oregon, 13 and 0, 13 and 0 season Who before they got obliterated by Oregon. Good. Yeah, <laughs> they, they were probably, you play yeah, a I mean, schedule stuff, 132 at a 132 and you flex your muscles as a G5 clown. clown they were argued to be the worst undefeated team of all time. Um, by quite a few big names on social media. And then um, Nick Gordon, the Purdue defensive, one of the top players in the Big Ten, one of the top defensive ends in the Big Ten, who led the league in sacks, I believe, with 10 and a half. Really good player. He's in the portal. He'll land out a big spot. That'll be your Reese, like you mentioned, Oregon dropping, or maybe a, probably a bigger school. A lot of people were saying Michigan in the comments. He's and then taking, 
I Go believe ahead. he's taken he's taken visits to I don't have it on the top of my head, but it's Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Missouri, and I it might be Michigan. Michigan might be his fourth his fourth oh, visit. Yeah, so and they're all doing it. I think he's he's in the middle of doing it now. I think his last one is tomorrow, being the sixth or what? No, not fifteen the sixth. TFLs, fifteen TFLs and ten sacks. Yeah, ten sacks. It's a good year, bud. Purdue, Purdue's kind of got it going on over there. They every you know every couple of years or even every year, there's at least one kid on the defensive front who's no joke. Yeah, they just got to find a a better head coach. I I don't think Walters is the guy over there. Um, but then Lance Hurd, last guy, LSU offensive tackle. There's a lot of teams out there looking for good offensive linemen, so you'll probably see him make a jump. I don't think he could have had a bad year with how good LSU's offense was, but he's looking to make a change. So we'll see where he lands. I would say probably Squirton's the biggest name out of this. What would you guys take away from it? Reese, we'll lead off with you. Um, him, yeah. Also, because we just don't pay attention defensively, so he's a name that not a lot of people are going to recognize. Salter's going to be one where a lot of cats will be like, oh, that guy's got to be a stud, you know, 13 and one, this and that. But like, like Shaver just talked about, Liberty didn't play anybody a whole lot. Um, and I mean, I'm sure there's rumors about linking him to um, his former coach freeze down at Auburn because they need a quarterback right now. Uh, Cause that just, cause that room is wide open as he said, after the bowl game. So I think he is kind of interesting one to pay attention to because he can get a lot of attention, but is he really going to go be the guy right away for somebody? Um, I'm not sure. So. I love it. JP, who do you take away? Biggest name from this group? Uh, I think it is a scored kid, but my problem with it is with, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of defensive tackle, defensive end pieces that have moved already. Does he jump the names that have been taking these visits? Does he, is he become that bigger priority for these places? Because does he going to land where he wants to land is my biggest worry. I think him transferring is fine. Like, I don't think he's going to go back to Purdue, but is he going to see the same amount of offers and uh, priority as some of these other kids? And, that will probably affect his decision on how much money they're willing to throw his way and what promises that are made because it seems like the other defensive line prospects have landed and been paid, right? So that'll be interesting to see how timing-wise in the NIL slash portal world, how that all works out for kids. And that's background stuff that we probably won't understand for another couple of years, but it is interesting to kind of see. I think you can get hints from stuff. Absolutely. I think the the money play is big for him in this in this move. I mean, how do you end up at Purdue if you're that an elite of a player? And then if you're going to a bigger school, you're going to be probably equal to the defensive front that Michigan has. Obviously, we saw and we're about to recap. Um, J- Jake, round us out. Who do you take away from this list? Maybe somebody different or do you on Scorton as well? Yeah, well, just to follow up on the Scorton piece and you mentioned the money, he is crystal balled as we're recording this to Texas A&M. So, that's a school that can definitely pay a little bit. So that would make a lot it of needs, sense if he landed it needs there. It. Yeah, yeah, they do. But I, I actually, I, I would go with Hurd because he's the 12th rated guy in the portal right now. He's the second highest offensive lineman. Uh, and he start, he didn't start, but he played 12 games for LSU. Uh, so he's got a ton of experience there. I think he could move to another SEC school, to be completely honest with you. And offensive linemen are just like gold in the transfer portal, especially as a high caliber as he is. So. Absolutely. All right, there it is. There's our transfer portal recap for this week. Let's move on to recapping the college football playoff semifinal games. These were great ones and we'll lead it off with Alabama and Michigan ends in overtime 27, 20 Michigan takes it on a botched quarterback run at the end of the game. 
Um, Jake, we'll lead off with you. Kind of what did you take away? Obviously, you were on Alabama pick-wise. What did you take away from it, and what did you see from the Wolverines that you liked? Well, first of all, just to defend my Alabama pick, just pissed at myself. I, ha- I have had Michigan in the title since August. Um, had them playing Georgia, and I took Georgia in the SEC title game. And Alabama, I just couldn't let Nick Saban bite me in the ass again. But lo and behold, of course he does because I sided with him. But in all seriousness, really impressed with Michigan. They're as physical and can match up with any SEC school or any team in the entire country, to be honest with you. Um, Maybe that Alabama offensive line performance in the SEC title game was a little fluky. I'm not really sure because they dominated Georgia's defensive front. Maybe Georgia's defensive front's not as good as we thought it was, but I was really I th- impressed with the pass rush from Michigan. I think you're making a point there, though. Like we knew Georgia's front was good. I think we we assumed they were disruptive, but I think we were solidified like halfway through the year. We kind of saw them being less disruptive than we have in the past, and that's not saying it's still not a good front. But we saw a lot less people in the backfield, a lot less TFLs, a lot less sack, a lot less quarterback pressures, and then I think it was exemplified um, when Alabama did what they did to him. And then Alabama went and saw a defensive front for Michigan who is disruptive and Mm -hmm. wrecks a lot of havoc. Yeah. And I don't know, Michigan, they looked like the number one team for a reason. I think the number one seed was worthy for them to be honest with you, but damn, they played probably a, I mean, what would you guys give their grade as far as a performance? That's probably a B, maybe a B minus some of the mistakes they had on special teams especially just wasn't great and they somehow came away with it that's that was the most impressive thing to me i didn't i wasn't so sure if michigan had that in them especially against alabama it got to be probably the sloppiest that they could have played and still won because i mean after the first drive if you were a guy that was on alabama if you picked alabama whether it had been spread or just to win the football game i mean you had to have felt great they looked awful does that does that opening pick does that change the entire game? You think if Downs I think so. was in, the I think so too. Game, the entire game. Does that change the out? Does it change the out? Does it change the outcome of the game? Does it change the outcome? Does Alabama win the football game if they go and at least get three points? Because their kicker was was money. I don't know. Yeah, Riker's a stud. But you also have to look at Jake. When I thought about this too, I don't know if you can because then you have to take away. You know, they punt deep. Alabama goes three and out, and then they get this field position anyway because they muff the punt. So. I don't know. I would think, yes, any sort of points there helps you. But also you could say the same for Michigan. If you make a PAT, Mm -hmm. we even go to overtime. So fun stuff. Uh, JP, Um, what did you take away from the game in total? I I would say the biggest thing I took away is we were talking about it last week. Uh, What do we really need out of J.J. McCarthy for Michigan to win this football game? I think we said, or Schaefer was came out. So I was like, if I get like 125, 150, you know, turnovers, I think I'm feeling good. Schiffer goes, what if I give you 175 and like a touchdown, no turnovers? We both agreed pretty emphasize on uh, numbers in that case. How about 17 to 27 for 221, three touchdowns, no picks. I think that's exactly what the doctor ordered. That's right around what we said. We, you know, we said 175, but it's a good 175 on third and four, third and five. How about fourth and two late in a football game? Right. Mm -hmm. And I, that ball's on the money to Roman Wilson if it doesn't get tipped like the way it was. And I think that's the part that was most telling to me is that off of 
that great pass rush and great front seven that Alabama has, they were able to run the football when they really needed to, and then they were able to make plays when they needed to. Even though they made mistakes all over Michigan did, they were able to, if you remember, they ran the uh, kind of like a version of the flea flicker. We threw it back to McCarthy, and he had to one-hand snag that. That keeps yeah. you out of absolutely horrendous situations. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, and then make a throw, and then they hit fourth and two. And then, like, there's different plays throughout where just massive plays were made that saved them from mistakes, which is what you have to do in these big games. So I think they lived up to that. But, I mean, anybody know where Donovan Edwards was? Like, honestly, like, only three rushes, which is weird to me, right? Like, Corb wasn't red hot. He was grabbing four four and a half per carry, uh, less than a hundy. But where was Donovan Edwards? I don't think – I think maybe maybe it was just a hot hand thing, but it was interesting to see that. Like on the other side, if you're Alabama, you I thought you ran the football fine. Uh, McClellan had 87, um, Milrow 63. How many times did he get sacked? Five or six in like, the first half? He had happen. five, six, yeah, five and first. That just half, can't so. happen. Um, where I saw the biggest differentiator was just the. I felt like it was the playmaking ability of the kids. Like, you know, Jermaine Burton was a big, big deal downfield foul of him most of the year. He was non-existent. Um, Sanders still in that defensive backfield shut down the Alabama receivers. Amari Nyblack was non-existent. Uh, Isaiah Bond had a couple big plays or big catches, not necessarily big plays that got 10-15 for him. Where were they at? On the other side, Roman Wilson made a big play when they needed it, right? J.J. McCarthy was making big plays. That's all you needed out of those uh, those guys, and you got it from the guys that have been there and done it. So I would like to see that roll over into everything. But biggest takeaway from it was just that stage was massive, 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 massive. And the fact that it played out the way it did, I think, really emphasizes the brands of college football can elevate it. But it also keeps the like the people and diehards like us keep us locked in and paying attention to every little thing because that game could be broken down into centimeters and little inches all over the place. And the fact that we can talk about it is awesome because casuals will just see it one way. And it's great because it, it played right into their hands with two big brands in the Rose bowl, you know, on new year's day played right into their hands. It was, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun to watch. Breeze quickly. We'll flip to coaching decisions in this football game. We'll go down to you on this. What did you think about the fourth down play call? For Alabama to end the game, the quarterback, it looks like it, it may have been an RPO, that the snap was a little low. Um, what did you think? I thought Harbaugh actually made great coaching decisions throughout the game to put them in a situation to win. Point B, where JP just pointed out, they go for it on fourth and two. That takes balls to call that in that spot, man, especially against a good Alabama defense. But what did you think about the fourth down call from Alabama at the end of the game? I mean, when you when you break it down, like in the moment, I didn't see what really was going on there. I'm like, wow, bad snap. You know, I really messed that up. Then he didn't run or run behind his tackles. I'm like, what's he doing there? But schematically, it looked like a great play. If he gets a good snap, he had that guy beat. That back was trying to cover that running back out of out of the backfield. They had that. You know, get a touchdown there. That game can get extended. But unfortunately, for some reason, Alabama can't find a guy that can snap the football to him. But it's a fine and play I, call. It's, it's it's just a busted it's just a busted snap by him, and that that, that throws timing off, throws the whole thing off, and I mean, obviously, you saw Milrow's upset. Yes, Jacob. I was just going to say with the the snapping issue, Seth McLaughlin entered the portal today. Uh, yep. So they're so finding too. somebody who can snap the ball next year. He came back to uh, slash tires and for sale signs in his house. Yeah, it made yeah, me automatically think like 96. Letters, letters 
96 Lee Corso when he was deciding the entire national championship game off of who played on grass more throughout the year. Alabama plays on grass far more. I don't understand why he struggled to snap the ball so goddamn much, but there was a couple of snap issues for both teams throughout the game. The Mm -hmm. grass must have been wet or something, but all right, that wraps up Alabama, Michigan, a program changing win for Michigan. Obviously they're playing for a national title this week, but we have to talk about the absolute shootout lived up to everything we thought it would be. It was kind of dead feeling because the game was so late at night. It was way past most of our bedtimes. The Sugar Bowl, Washington takes down Texas 37-31. It comes down to the final play due to an injury. I mean, they would have only had 15 seconds on that drive, guys. That was an absolute massive play for Texas just to get an injury. Unfortunately, it was Johnson, the running back, who had a great game. They established the run. They did all the things we asked them to do. We will go over to JP first on this one. JP, what would you take away from this game? I, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but I've heard a lot of analysts and guys talking on social media or other shows saying that they're stunned with the amount of people who did not watch Washington during the regular season. And Michael Penix, like they're like, I can't believe people are just now finding out how well they throw the football and how well, how good of a ball he throws and how talented this receiving court. Did you guys feel like that? If you were on socials during the game, did you feel like people hadn't seen everybody it? said that literally everybody is saying that it was like, boy. I don't know if I saw the same amount. I think I saw, I guess I'm my feed might be different than others, but like, I felt like a lot of people were wording it. Like it sounded like they hadn't watched him and didn't know how talented he was. I think just the stage and where he was doing it, like at the sugar bowl in the college football semifinal well, exempt, like push. Can we up. not can all credit to them? And we'll talk about how great they are in a minute, but like this is their 10th straight win as a single digit under a single digit and Mm -hmm. i mean there was a four-week stretch where neither michael Penix or the entire washington team was very good Mm -hmm. i mean they didn't score an offensive touchdown against arizona state so i kind of understand why people haven't recently watched him i mean you should have paid attention in the pac-12 title game i guess unless you're just a moron and you didn't watch that football game but like i kind of understand where we haven't recently seen much of Washington outside of the Pac-12 yeah. championship game because even the Apple Cup came down to the wire and that team wasn't very good either. I would say that other big thing with that is how well Texas did run the football and then somehow mm-hmm. still found themselves behind the sticks and in situations where they needed viewers to make a massive play. Um, Worthy didn't look like he was 100% himself. I didn't really see that as I was watching, but like when I went back and watched highlights, it kind of looked different. Um, still alien from an injury he had, but I thought I, this is a game. I thought Texas would just be able to go blow for blow with them. And they did for the most part, but they didn't come out of the halftime very high. They didn't score a single point in the third quarter. Uh, yours was like 28 of 42 or something like that. And it wasn't his fault. He was picking up first downs with his legs. You don't see him do that a ton. The run game was working. I, just something was off with them. Like it didn't seem like the Texas team I'd see most of the year. And I think they started to press a little too much. And when you press on a Washington team that can light up the scoreboard um, and take advantage of the secondary in which we pointed out, Texas secondary is good, but not great. And you get lit up like that. It makes you press a little bit more than you should. Now it comes down to one play from the 10 yard line with one second on the clock, had a little bit of deja vu situation, but it, it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, if Texas wins this game, like what an all time collapse. Cause it didn't look like Texas had any business in the second half winning that football game. Mm-hmm. 
God, no. Washington came out right away, scored. I think you got to give all credit where credit's due, and that's to Washington's receivers, man. That's an elite group. Odunze looked good. McMillan looked good. I mean, of course, it takes incredible deep ball accuracy to make those throws, but you know Texas was prepping for that all week. That's where Washington's found their bread and butter all year is throwing the deep ball. Texas still couldn't stop it, man. That's That's got to be... If you're Michigan's defense, I don't want to give anything away because we're about to preview it. But, I mean, that has to be priority number one. Reese, what did you take away from this game? Uh, Michael Penix is the dude, man. I mean, you're going 29 of 38 for 430. Uh, We mentioned before, but he's putting balls in very tight windows. Um, And I think uh, when you look forward to this game, too, it's like Washington played with the lead, and they mentioned it during the game, too. It's like this is a team you can't get behind because they can just find ways to eat at the clock and get going. And I think Washington, even if even if they do find a way to get down in this game in the future, I'm not too worried about that because they have an offense that can be, just be so efficient. If they want to get down the field in mm-hmm. five plays or 15 plays, like they can find a way to do it because they have the weapons. Like Jack Westerham is a guy that not a lot of people know about. He made his name well-known last night. He had six catches for um, 60 yards. Just a guy who can just randomly find a spot. And, I mean, Polk had a hell of a night too. I think JP mentioned, like, if you don't pay attention, like they're going to have two receivers that are going to have over 120 yards. And lo and behold, they had two receivers do that stuff. And they were a huge difference maker in this game. So I will say it did come down to that one second play. I did have flashbacks for all of yeah, you. Wondering I figured you did. 100% I, you did. I did. 100% I, I did. I was like, we're going to join forces right before they joined the Big Ten. JP. Just one thing to note also from that game, when I went back and watched some of the highlights, right, it – it wasn't necessarily like, and we talked about this, how well Penix gets through the football and how quick they are. And that offensive line, I think won the Joe Moore award this year for best offensive line in the country. A lot of that has to do with how quick the ball is out of this kid's hands. I mean, it's, it's snap read out of his hands gone in about less than three seconds, two seconds each time that neutralizes a lot of pass rushes that really neutralizes a defensive line. Who's really good on the interior, but not elite on the edges. So I think that's a big thing to see like that when they were out there for a long time, big guys are getting sweats, getting gassed. They have to come in and bring in subs and then you're getting deeper into your dev chart and you're still not getting a ton of pressure on them. I mean, zero sacks total on the night. Penix doesn't run, but he did when he needed to. It was just like he had time. They're picking him apart and they had to find somewhere to get pressure to him. And every time they try to bring pressure, bring five, bring six, it was immediate check hot right to where it needed to be on time. It was crazy. To finalize this, we'll join the rest of the country in saying, hey, Michael Penix is an elite quarterback. We knew that already. I mean, this guy got second in the Heisman, for Christ's sake. Everybody knew it. We're not joining that train. But let's jump to the most important, important part. Ooh, most important. Most important. That's how we started Boing. off. But let's it's jump important. to the most important part. Start YouTube clip now. Uh, welcome in, YouTube fans. We are going to preview the College Football National Championship. This is what you're here for. We are excited for it. We have been waiting all year. Was it the two teams that we thought would be here? Maybe JP can say yes, um, but I think the rest of us aren't shocked by the Michigan appearance. Let's lead it off with J- Jake. Jake will take us through. Um, give us your pick as well. We'll go round horn style to finalize 2023 into 2024 college football. Yeah, I think this is a this is a fantastic national championship game for a multitude of reasons. Um, number one, I think. We can all agree it's kind of a refresher to not see an SEC team in there, just being from the Midwest. Now, you might have a lot of people from the South kind of check out and roll their eyes when they see these two teams, but I think this is an awesome matchup. 
I would say that I said it last week and I kind of compared Washington to TCU, but I think Washington's much better, but I want to compare Washington to them. Like they're kind of an underdog. I mean, they really are. They don't recruit on the same level as Michigan or Alabama or even Texas for that instance. But this is a team that I think has somebody told me nine, six year guys. They have a Heisman caliber quarterback. They have a receiver room that is, the best in the country at this point. I don't even think there's an argument there. Um, And they're going to be playing a team that looks almost on, I don't want to say unbeatable, but Michigan proved that they can make mistakes and still kind of put you in that stranglehold or or that snake bite or whatever they like to say it. And that's how they kind of play football. Uh, So both of these teams are going to try to stick to their styles of play. And I'm interested to see, Who can do it the best? I think Washington has a really good recipe for success just because of you have the offensive tackles who are NFL caliber guys. You have a ton of receivers that are NFL caliber and you have a quarterback that JP said gets the ball out faster than anybody else. Like if you're going to defeat a pass rush and a defense in Michigan, who's number one in the country in pass efficiency on the defensive side of the ball, that's how you beat it. It's also a team that can beat Michigan by only running for 40 yards like they did against Texas. They don't run the ball super well. I think Dylan Johnson's hurt. I think it's fluky. They say he's going to play. I don't buy it. I'm sure he'll probably give it a go. So super interested to see how they can defeat this world-beating defense in Michigan. On the other side, what kind of game are we going to get from J.J. McCarthy? Like we said, I like Washington's defensive line. I like their edges with, like, I think it's Trice. I think he's really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't love the secondary for them, but I don't think they're playing a receiving. Do they have to? Do you have to? Yeah, no, no. I don't think they're playing a receiving core that's you know of Ohio State of Washington for even instance. So two completely different style of teams, and I couldn't picture a better matchup honestly for the national title in Houston on Monday. If I had to give you a pick, I'm just going to stick with the team that I've been backing all year up until last week. I'm going to take Michigan. I think that this defense is too good. I think defense translates into championships. Uh, I love Washington and what they've done. I've kind of doubted them all year, but I think they're going to slow the game down. I don't think they're going to make the mistakes like they did last week. And I think Michael Penix is going to have to play perfect two weeks in a row. And I think that's just so hard to do. I, I, I think he's really talented, but I just think it's so hard to do. I love letting you go first because it, it just starts us off right. But damn, you're taking a lot of my thoughts because that's exactly right. You you were asking a ton for Michael Penix to give you a similar style performance against a 10 times better secondary. I'll say it. Michigan's secondary is going to be 10 times better than what you saw against Texas. They're going to be more prepared. It's a better coach team and they're deeper. It's the same thing I told you last week. That's why they were going to take down Alabama when everybody was on the other side of the game. Everybody thought Alabama, the SEC, was too big. Michigan hadn't played anybody. Dude, this defense is for real. That up front, they are for real. If anybody's going to wreak havoc against the number one offensive line in the country, it's going to be Michigan. And and they, they proved a little bit of it last week. They're going to cause problems. On the other side, I have to look at J.J. McCarthy. I think they can tr- control the game. I know, J.P., you had already talked about Donovan Edwards not being existent in the Rose Bowl. I think he'll have to be existent in this to keep – Washington off the field on offense, you're doing yourself a massive favor. So I think you're going to have to see a heavy dose of quorum 
and Edwards. And then McCarthy's got to make plays with his legs. I think they can throw the ball downfield too. I saw a lot of holes in Washington's defensive backs last week, especially towards the end of the game. They gave up some big plays. If they go give those up against Michigan, they're going to make them pay for it even more than Texas did. And uh, it's the most, it's the chalk thing to say, but whoever t- forces turnovers is going to find themselves in a good spot as well. JP. I, I look at this one and I see, um, I see a team that has really fought adversity for most of the year that they created on themselves. That's Michigan. And then I see a team that was just kind of like, oh, they'll figure it out. They're pretty good, but you know, they're not going to be much. So I saw high expectations with an adversity they created by themselves. And I saw low expectations from the public um, on a group that was super talented enough to win a, a national title, win the PAC 12. Which one do you think has more pressure on it right now? I'd say Michigan does. Does that even mean anything to them? Does it even affect how they're acting? I don't know. Maybe not. Probably not, honestly. I would say that they had more pressure last week just to get over the hump of winning that semifinal game. I agree. Yeah, that's that's a good point because not a lot of people picked them. Even if people didn't pick them, if they lost that one, you know they were going to get ripped apart by the media like, oh, they can't win the big ones. They're just they're phonies, blah, blah, blah. I think that was always going to be a BS take, but it's really a BS take when they go out and win the football game. For me, Michigan Parks, you hit it on the head. Like you're going to have to control this football game, whether your defense is good or not, whether that offensive line uh, can deal with your pass rush or not, whether your DBs are better than what Texas gave or not. You're going to have to control the game because I just think this set of receivers, and then now you can add another weapon into it. Four guys that are constantly finding ways to get open. Four headsy people who have absolute crazy chemistry with one of the best quarterbacks in the country who puts the ball on a dime at all times, on time, on spot, it's going to be very hard. And if you decide that you want to control the football game and keep your defense rested, that's that's probably the best way to go. But if you want to get in a shootout, I don't love your chances. And I know Washington's had their problems defensively. But what they have been is opportunistic. They've done the thing they've needed to, and it's absolutely necessary that they have to make a play or they have to get a stop. They've done it for the most part. Where you're going to see the difference is, is if Michigan slows down, Washington's fine with that. Washington can slow that offense down. And I'm not saying to a crawl. I'm saying they can take their time and set things up, uh, milk the clock down uh, under 10, 15 seconds each snap and just get set up and run the right play, right? Like we don't have to be high flying, fast moving Oregon pace or anything like that, but we can still attack you and uh, create big plays off of everything. So, for me, it's just Penix. Does Penix have the opportunity to stay clean, stay upright, and just get the ball to his playmakers? Because if he does have that time, I don't care what defense they're playing. I think this is this is a situation I'm taking. This is what's taking me back to. How good were the defenses that Joe Burrow played? Pretty damn good. How good was that offense? A lot better. This is college football. If an elite offense meets an elite defense, I feel like majority of the time the elite offense comes out on top. Look at Alabama in 2020. Like that. that was an elite offense. They lit everybody up. Like it's just one of those situations. And so I lean with the elite offense in this situation. Flip side, JJ doesn't have to be a world beater either. Like if we could get another 223 touchdown, no interceptions, they're probably winning this football game. If Corum goes for 120, which is extremely possible, by the way, and Edwards grabs 80, they're probably winning this football game. Washington's going to have to be opportunistic, mistake-free. And I don't want to make it sound like they're a massive underdog and they just need everything right to go, everything to go right for them to win. But it kind of feels that way in some spots. 
but I just I'm not in a spot where I'm picking against them. I'll, I'll take the four and a half. I said it last week. Four and a half was too many when they played Texas. It was going to be that close. Take the four and a half again. It's going to be within three. I don't care. I this number probably I could see under just with pace of play. Michigan, you don't want to get a shootout with them. Mistake free wins this one. Both teams made a ton of mistakes, found ways to win football games last week. Can't do it this week. I like a lot of what you guys are all saying. I mean, it's going to be such a good football game. It's like JP saying, are you going to trust an elite offense or an elite defense? I think Washington's like number one pass offense. I think Michigan's the number two pass defense. Um, what is Michigan going to be able to do? Because JP just mentioned how um, Penix was making his adjustments, calling hot routes and getting – when they bring a pressure, just calling it to guys right away, getting it, getting it to them even when the pressure was brought. So – what is Michigan going to be able to, to disguise stuff against him? You know, pre-snap, post-snap reads to get him to make um, bad decisions, maybe turn that ball over. And then also what they going to do to get Dylan Johnson involved because he wasn't that wasn't really existent um, in that Sugar Bowl game. I think he only rushed for like 40 yards and he had 20-some runs. So he wasn't really a factor. It's going to be what can they do to get him involved. Also, it's just that that defensive line was stout. Um, Michigan's was just stout against Alabama. And then Alabama goes and makes um, adjustments in the second half. So I think um, Washington will be able to learn from that as well. I think they'll be able to get the ball out of Penix's hands really fast. And then on the flip side too, you still got Washington's defense. You still got, um, like you mentioned before, Braylon Trice is a hell of a defensive end. You still got Jabbar Muhammad, who's a hell of a defensive back, who had some very big games this year. You still got some disruptors on the defense who they're not names that everybody knows, but when the moment comes to it, they can be guys that can make plays. Um, and then when you're looking at Michigan offensively, yeah, JJ doesn't need to be the guy. He's not going to put up numbers like Penix, but if he can just be a dependable guy back there and be serviceable and just not turn that ball over, yeah, Michigan's got a shot at this thing. But I, I, I lean with JP. I don't. I just can't go away from a team that's going to be able to put up points. Like I think they'll be able to. And like I mentioned before, even if they get behind, if they can get behind by two scores. I don't think Michigan has such a solid offense that they're going to be able to score um, consistently. I think Washington can get stops, and that offense can score, even if they're down 10 or they're down 14, two scores, whatever it is. They can find a way to keep themselves this game, especially if it's late and make something interesting. I think four and a half is way too much, and I also lean Washington to win this thing too. I'd, I'd rather see them. Like I mentioned before, a couple weeks ago, I hate Michigan. You're not America's team. Shut <laughs> up, Jim. I, I can't. I'm not going to pick you guys. Give me the Huskies. Kalen DeBoer, coach of the year. Let's go 50 to no Huskies. Okay, so that wrap that wraps up the previews. I will give my pick. And good news, Jake. We're going to make it a two and two split here. I have Michigan. Right. I think I was the only one go, that JP. had Michigan and Washington in the national title. I think Michigan. Is just too deep this year, man. It, it, they're the team of destiny. They caused it on themselves for everybody to hate them, but they're just too talented at all spots, on defense especially. I know I've said it a thousand times, but I cannot tell you how important it is to be that deep. They can just run guys out there. I think if they can control the clock, which is, I said is the main point, and get up seven, ten points, they just have to limit big plays downfield, and I think they have better suited defensive backs than anything Washington has faced the entire year to do so. So give me Michigan. I think they cover and win the national title. I think it's just with, for me, with Washington's stat of 10 straight wins of single digits, like Michigan's the last team that you want to play single digits to, you know, I, I think that this, it's just a bad spot for them being Michigan can, if there's six minutes left on the clock with the ball in their hands and they're up three, I think they can run up the clock if they really need to or mm -hmm. move it down the field and, and kind of put them in that stranglehold like I talked about. But 
I mean, yeah, I, I really have no, I have no gripe with either one of these teams winning. I, I really don't. I feel like that's, that might be oh, a first time for me in a championship in a while. I feel like I favored somebody, uh, but I, I would really be happy with either or one. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I have one. I have one more thing to add just preview wise. Um, we're, we're talking about how Washington's going to go see the best secondary they've seen all year. Fine. That's fine. I agree. 100% I agree. But on the flip side, if Michigan's receivers aren't as elite as we think or as they've been made out to be, as we've also noted, Washington's coming off the biggest challenge they've faced yet on three very talented with Whittington, Mitchell, uh, and Worthy. Now, Worthy wasn't probably 100% healthy, but don't you think that this defensive backfield is going to look a little bit better when they are playing a team that they know doesn't scheme guys open. They are consistently hitting 35, 40-yard bombs downfield. They're going to throw six or seven in the box. And, hell, McCarthy, if you want to start, you know, throwing the ball downfield and having one-on-ones, who's your one-on-one guy? Because we got a DB that can lock him down who's bigger in size. Like, that's my whole thing with it. It's like, if we're going to go one way, it might be. But I'm saying, like, if it's one way, we're calling it one way, like, this is the best secondary, this elite group of receivers. Is gone. Let's call it the other way where this DB group just faced the biggest test they've had all year outside of Oregon's guys who are very talented as well. Uh, hey, like, you played pretty well last week. I'm not saying you played great. Like, you did fine. Better than your average, I'd say. Now, hey, now you can really lock down some dudes this week because they are not as talented as what you just saw. Yeah, anything, Shafe? It sounded like no, a breath thing you were going to say. I, I, was, I was thinking it's about it. It's not a rebuttal, it. but it's just, you know, no. we got to see both sides of the mirror. Do we have Do we have anybody else to put a bow on it, or I have one more thing before we get out no, of here? No, you, you tie the bow on it. Sure, because we, we got we got time. Uh, we made our picks and everything, and I was like, oh, you know, this has been actually uh, – this has been – sorry, Reese, am I cutting you off here? What? Yeah. No, I'll say – I, I mean, I, I meant to say something before, too, but I don't know if you can hear this. But this is Reese patting himself on the back because he knew there was going to be an SEC national champion this year. Oh yeah, Thank you yeah, very much good job, there Reese. Go. That's a great one. Get, that's a great one. Get that. Do one it. And Parks and Parks was the only one to get the graphic right for the. Uh, he got it hundred percent. Yeah. But uh, before we get out, because I've been hearing this on a lot of different podcasts, and I want to talk about it since we have the time. Rose Bowl being the site for the national championship every year is the Rose Bowl overhyped? Is the is the environment in the stadium and kind of like the whole tradition of it all is that overhyped should you do you think it should be the national championship every year this the site for the national championship every year i i was the guy who said his favorite bowl game moment is the rose bowl sunset but i think that it could be changes made to it i don't think the rose bowl is I don't know if it's necessarily the granddaddy of them all anymore, especially moving into like a 12-team playoff and schedule is going to be changed. I'll go first. I just think, no, it definitely should not be the national championship site every year. I know Joel Klatt and probably Kirk <laughs> Herb Street would very much disagree with me, and I think it is a beautiful place, but I think you got you to gotta relocate at least just for fan bases. That's just the first mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. I would say that's my biggest one too is like I think Houston's a good spot for it. Just the fact that it's at the Rose Bowl negates the fact that it's in California, which is a waste of space to host national titles in any way. The Rose Bowl itself is a lot different than being in San Francisco or L.A. somewhere or in Miami or like I think Houston's a really good spot for that. I think Nola's a really good spot for that stuff. Um, if you took it anything north 
of like Indianapolis is a great spot. Yeah, but people don't remember when it was there. How mad the people from the SEC were! They were pissed that it was hey, in the north. It's Michigan, so cold up there. Why would I ever? What's in Indianapolis? Could you could you imagine a Michigan Washington championship in Indianapolis? I think that'd be a great spot for this year. It'd be a long way for uh, Washington. Washington yeah. No, give me no longer than Houston. Yeah, it's about the same. I don't know. I've never flown either one of those, but it seems I don't know. either. But yeah, it seems probably. Well, uh, yeah, I what could be Vegas? wrong here. I could be wrong here, but am, I believe I'm the only person on this podcast that has Next. physically been at the the Rose Bowl. Correct. That place is been. a shithole dump. Let me put it that for if if it's not if it's not <laughs> on a great. panorama picture with a sunset and a and the hills behind it, the area around it is so shitty, dude. It is not. It's so old. I mean, you might as well have it. At a hundred year old in Boulder, you might as well have it at, at yeah. Folsom Field, Field or, because uh, that shit is Lavelle that Edwards old. Stadium for BYU. You're, pay- you're paying for the backdrop, which you can't see if you're inside the stadium. By the way, but no, God no. I think uh, two things need to change: that never to happen, and also the Sugar Bowl. Find a new destination. That stadium sucks down there, and it was the least thing. Go ahead. About this people, the other, people love I thought, Nola. I no, I yes. like I like. There's the, a live the titty. Superdome. It's fact to mention. Move on TV. Shout out ESPN. I like the Superdome. I really do. I know Nola is not a great city, but I really like the Superdome. And I was watching some Hurricane Katrina's. I got into a rabbit hole on YouTube Jeez. last night. I mean, that's why you like the Superdome. Did you get depressed during it too? Why no, 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 no. I think it's a great back to football. Back to football. Love hurricanes. Love the Superdome. It's a great story of how the Saints saved the dome, and it's a part of the city, and like that they're still playing football in that in that dome. You fell it's down just, a rabbit hole. A and you missed all the scary stuff. Anyways, anyways, uh, the Cotton Bowl being played in in uh, the Cowboys Stadium. Why are we not playing that in the actual co- uh, Cotton Bowl? Like, why is that not a time slot for like the Rose Bowl? I'm not for instance? Sure. Why is that not a one thirty kick? in dallas it can't be that cold it's maybe it probably gets to 50 no degrees idea. god 50, forbid 52 53 but what about why is it old for them you call it the time. cotton bowl if i'm it, this is not along the lines of the cotton bowl but i'm saying national title wise if my team was playing in it i'm picking two spots i'd love to go phoenix right mm-hmm. the glendale yep. wherever that stadium is parks houston i think those would be really awesome. yeah. what about i, I, I think I've, I'm on the other side. I think Dallas at Jerry's World, it's the biggest, most beautiful. I heard it's like a breathtaking stadium. It's, Never been down there. It's yeah, but it's an great. NFL stadium. It, it's not it, built it's for great. a freaking It's a great stadium. Football. Yeah, but it still I, I, gets loud. And no, I, and then or Vegas or Legion. I think those Vegas would be that, badass. Vegas yeah. is expensive, about, but that'd be a blast. Minnesota be cool. I can't believe it's cold. Yeah, I was gonna say, why not Minneapolis? <laughs> they hosted a final four there. I think that stadium and a Super Bowl. One of the best stadiums in it's cold country. They're not going to do college football for me. And Minnesota's uh, not a college football state. Like, dude, you don't walk outside. It's either, you're is, it's an either is no. You don't walk Vegas. outside. Yeah, but it's, it's Vegas. A, it's a walk. Shit isn't. <laughs> dude, from like every hotel, every area around surrounding Minneapolis at US Bank, it's all indoor walks. You wouldn't be outside at all. Like, it's built for it. But yeah, definitely not the Rose Bowl. To answer your question in short, Jake, I think nobody said yes to that. Um, I would take but, it as I would be so fine with it. I would. It's cool, it's, but, but like you grow up around so much more money, so much more money doing that. But oh, as long old. as we keep the college football playoff national title away from the Super Bowl, where it doesn't become a publicity and marketing event and corporate who crowd at like the corporate Bowl. event. Yeah, 
this as long as the fan who has been going to these games all year can afford the ticket to go and gets first dibs at all those, I'm fine. I heard tickets are ranging. Just from don't like, put it in LA. I think no I LA's. saw like one ninety eight to ten thousand bucks. So quite the uh, difference in tickets. But I'll sit in the upper deck mm-hmm. for one ninety eight. Okay, I agree. Tickets. That wraps up everything. We previewed the national title, recap the semifinals, covered the transfer portal. We did all the college football things like we always do. We appreciate you being here. We love you very much. Follow us on all social media platforms, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, X, Instagram. Instagram. Hit them all like, up. Like, comment, subscribe. Subscribe on YouTube. Yes, if you're here, you might as well click the button. Like, we love you. Subscribe. Thanks for being here. Jake, take us away. Metro Boomer wants some Go in that fast thing, speeding through the city Panic with my brain in my dead Motherfucker fame, all my niggas lit it Never to the face, I don't smoke no Philly Drippin' songs like I'm chilly Said that we came to the floor when it's chilly I got big, big booty bras at the telly They end up from the store who was ready I can't fuck with none of y'all niggas, y'all discuss me When you with your maggot ass friends, don't discuss me Effing with a standing clip, I hope don't try to rush me I hear them saying such and such a nigga ain't gon' touch me Big body bench, remember I used to be dusty Now I want my money, y'all hunters in a rush, please I was selling weed when they came out with white tea Now I put a whole half a ticket on my white tee Whole hood popping other niggas